Welcome to The Art of Growth. This is Jim Zarbin. Today, Joel Hubbard and I are taking on this idea of hunters, farmers, and teamers. There's a little bit of an instincts overlay, but there's also this distinctive other cultural piece that comes up in groups of people when they're talking and realizing that there's a value system that comes along with this idea. So there is a parallel to the instincts, but there's also this very distinct layer that we're seeing and have had lots of conversations about with clients. And so we wanted to talk about it a bit here. So have two brains on. If you understand the instincts or if that's in your background, great. Have that little cap on in the background. And it, and if not, don't worry about it. You're still going to get this concept. You have experienced the difference of these people working together. So that's just a little setup for this episode on hunters, farmers, and teamers. If you are new here, theartofgrowth.org is where you're going to want to go to check out more about us, sign up for our newsletter, take a free Enneagram or Instincts test to figure out your unique blend or set up coaching appointments or even look at what it would look like to have us in your organization. That's all at theartofgrowth.org. That's where you can email us for questions or whatever else. And that's about it. So let's go ahead and jump in to today's episode. So we've been talking about different cultures in the workplace. And this one comes up quite a bit, and I use it quite a bit. And it seems to be helpful. So that's the reason yeah. why we wanted to do it. And it's on hunters, farmers, and teamers. Mm-hmm. It's an awkward word, but it's the best word that we could come up with uh, for now. The idea of hunter-gatherers, everybody's familiar with the time frame where hunters and gatherers are primarily, or at least you remember the the term hunter-gatherer, where primarily our ancestors were hunter-gatherers, meant the, meaning they hunted and they gathered whatever they could gather in order to uh, to survive. And that meant that you had to have a particular approach to life, and it certainly values personality types. We're assuming that the personality types existed back then as well. Uh, Maybe not in the variety that there are today. And so if you're already predisposed to that, well, that's a a world that you're comfortable in. It's a world that you you can do this. Uh, Hunters would need to be the types that you enjoy the chase. If you don't enjoy the chase, it becomes a value that you still do it because you have to in order to survive. Yes. So this is the energy of someone who is on the move, looking for the new... There could be woolly mammoth over the next hill, so I got to keep moving. Yep. I have to keep looking. Don't tend to stay in one spot. Uh, might move more with the seasons. Adaptability is key. Response and improvisation to a moment that could come up is key. These are some of the markers of that hunter yeah. mentality. They would not be the type to carry a lot with them. They'd be prepared, certainly, but they're not the type to bring a lot of stuff with them. Or to settle down for very long anywhere, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and for those who might wonder about them, like, well, I'm not one of those, and so why is there this, like, drive or need to do – don't ask the rational question because it's, it's – none of these are driven by rationality. They're more instinctual. And so there's an instinctual sense for survival that if I'm not hunting, we're not going to eat. Or if we're not always moving and changing and – that we're not going to make it. We need to to do that. There's actually more anxiety in the sitting still than there is in the movement. So those are those are the hunters, and I think that they exist today, even though we're not 
in that world that there's a yeah. quite a few people and they end up usually leading an organization or at least starting. They don't like it once it gets to a point where it is pretty much the maintenance of it. Right. You know, incremental growth and change. At that point, it's like, I'm, you know, they're bored. They're starting yeah. to, they're starting to get anxious. The very same energy that caused them to be able to produce this, to create this, now becomes destructive. Yeah. So they need to get out. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you were quoting or if you had written that line that hunters, if they are forced to stay at home, if they can't hunt the woolly mammoth, <laughs> yeah, they'll hunt the farm animals. I can't, yeah, I came up with that. That's great. Because it's me. And so I know I know that. I'm like, <laughs> the I'm animals, the one right. causing tr- problems at the, you know, on the home front. Uh, right. Because yeah. there's the need to explore. Yeah. So contrast that with the Exact opposite the is the farmer, right? Yeah. And the farmer's I think, again, perhaps through evolutionary process or they were always around just that they would they had to kind of do the hunting piece is a desire much more comfortable instinctually with sustainability. Mm-hmm. So, again, we're talking about surviving and these are instinctual drives to survive. The hunters, it's the survival happens through the chase and the finding of the woolly mammoth. The farmer, it's much more of no survival happens through sustainable processes that we can predict and rely upon to produce, you know, year after year. Yes. So hunters feel safer in the exploration where farmers feel safer in the cultivation. Yeah, cultivation, exactly. Yes. Yeah, well put. Many of you are probably listening to this and you're extrapolating already. It's like, yeah, rhythms, that's right. Routines, yep. All of those, those things would be very much a part of the system. And I want to quickly say, it's not farmers are boring like in that they don't enjoy play or fun. Right. It's not that. It's that they have the foundation of the sustainability piece so that then they can go and they can enjoy themselves in the same way that hunters are not just always needing to, they do need frequently to be hunting, but they also enjoy the points at which they go, now we can chill and have fun and we can we can play and we yeah. can eat together. And feast. We can, we can feast, right? Both have feasts. Both have feasts. Both need them. <laughs> <laughs> and so they can meet there at the feast. Yeah. But farmers, yeah, farmers would have been the ones to create the machinery. I, I say that the hunter spirit is that which com- discovers gasoline or oil and they discover that they can set it on fire and how exciting and fun that is. Like, wow, look what we just did. We, un- we discovered something new. Mm. There's got to be something we can do with that, right? Yeah. And generally, they don't have much of a clue as to what. They've got some ideas. They've got some excitement around yeah, they'll that. they'll do some. Yeah. They'll do some. Sure. And then farmers are the ones that go, we really need to create the machine around this, right? We need to create the engine to capture the explosion. Yeah. And that way we can actually make something of this long-term. Yeah. I think that that's brilliant. When both can work in collaboration together, you've got something magical happening there. Yes, and but why we're bringing this up is because the way you've t- you were talking about this, working w- with companies about this, is that there's ways that can create flow and collaboration, but there's also ways that create friction. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it happens all the time because you have environments where there's primarily farming is the culture of the, the workplace or yes. it's the industry perhaps even, right? So mm-hmm. you have certain industries that are far more farming or industries than hunting ones. And organizations at certain levels get to the point where they are much more farming than they are hunting. Initially, they start off, they are definitely hunters. Yeah. And that's the culture that's created in there. So what happens is when you are not in the dominant, then you feel it and you feel it significantly. It's like, Oof, man, I am constantly being pushed to having to hunt and, 
you know, this is exhausting for me. And vice versa. When you have a farming industry, you have a hunter in there. It's like, yeah, are we changing anything? Are we, do, you know, there's, there's the need to move the, the system forward and yet the constant sense that they're being stymied in, the, in that process. Mm. When you're in the wrong place, and this is much more to the individuals as opposed to the organizations themselves, but when you're in the wrong place as an employee... Or you're being utilized in the wrong way. Or you're not being valued and brought in. Because right. I, I do think that the best of systems is that even if it tends more towards one, which is great because yeah. you need them, is that you also welcome the other. Yes. Because you can't survive on just the farming, and you can't survive just on the hunting. Yes. You need to have both. In smaller percentages for the other one, but you still need it. Right. And so are you welcoming the hunter in your farming practices, your farming industry? Are you welcoming the farmer in your hunting endeavors? Yes. And if you do, you tend to be able to sustain those much longer and you actually succeed because you still need the innovators. You still need the real creators. Like totally. There's, there's a this whole thing that's it's my own pet peeve, but there's people that are out there like, yeah, let's innovate, let's innovate. And they don't know what the heck they're talking about because whatever they're innovating, it's just, you just made a better mousetrap. Yeah. The real innovators are the ones that are actually creating something that hasn't been there. And it's generally hunters that are going to do that. Yeah. And when they do it, it's uh, viewed by others as suspicious or, you know, or too risky. And so you do have to kind of go, well, okay, it's always going to scare us as farmers, right? So we just got to make peace that that's going to be the case, mm -hmm. but see how much we can bring in. And for the hunters, it's like in a farming world, they're going to feel like it's never enough change. And so, you know, they're going to also have to make peace with that. And the hunters, when they bring in the farmers into their industries, they're going to have to go, you know what? We've probably done enough. We can pull back now and yeah. not do, not try to chase something else down, right? Right. So they start to listen and kind of slow their roll a little bit uh, so that, okay, you've killed like 10 woolly mammoths in the last 24 hours. We're still trying to clean <laughs> we up have to the build first a freezer. <laughs> one. Yeah, <laughs> we have to build a freezer, yeah. I mean, geez, slow your roll. Like, right. we're still trying to keep up. And that happens, I mean, literally happens in organizations we've coached. They're trying to keep up with the constant change that is happening, and it is extremely difficult to do so. And I think that there's a lack of communication between the two to say, hunters, we're for you. We're not against you. We just want you to get to where you want to go but recognize that in terms of getting there, we need some sustainable practices. Yeah. Or, hey, farmers, we love that you're trying to create sustainability, but for this to really sustain, you kind of have to move your crops to a different patch of mm -hmm. land because you've over depleted this space. You know, yeah. uh, you're not using the right machinery and we need better machinery. We've come, we, there's a better way to do this, right? So that's where you start to see how if you could have the conversation, you could actually have less tension within the organization and more productivity. Yeah, it's almost a seasonal thing, too. It's observing the season you're actually in. That's good. So sometimes yeah. there is a season that it's time to be a pioneer, and sometimes it's a season where it's time to be a settler. You know, time to be a hunter or time to be a farmer, which is sometimes it's time to go, well, let's let the hunters lead because we need new products, new innovations, new markets, new ground. We need that, right? And sometimes it's time for the the farmers to lead and be like, okay, now we need to like cultivate and we need to do, develop fertilizers and we need to do the rejuvenating farming, or I can't remember the term, but where you rotate crops so that you 
the soil is replenished. So we need to create the systems and the seasons to recognize how to best utilize the resources at hand. So it's good to recognize the season you're in and to lean into it and then allow the people who have that to default to to lead in that way. Um, I think of a lot of times of the book driven by uh, Dr. Uh, Douglas Brackman, and where he talks about this movement between the hunters who had always been on and that stayed part of their brain because you never knew if there was going to be a famine or a drought. So they didn't trust the farming, the agricultural culture that emerged. So they kept on the move, even if the majority of people did settle down and start to plant farms and lived the agricultural lifestyle. But sometimes when uh, there is a drought or there's something, you, you got to move. You got to follow the farmers over the hill or to the next land. And sometimes the farmers want to keep going. They're like, no, no, it's winter and we have crops. Like We have to stay put <laughs> and live and make it through this season so that we can you know, go into the next season. And so, again, when we're talking about all these different cultures, there's a culture, if there's good communication and empathy and trust, then you can move with the seasons and know when is it time or the space, right, or the, the context in which to develop the farming and where is the context to develop the hunting and move with those seasons and trust, again, trust (laughs) with each other who can lead in those different capacities. Yeah. And let's talk about this third category because I think they can help bridge and do a good job of bridging the differences between the two. Uh, and those are the teamers, and we call them teamers. It's a term that it's, it's probably why, as a teamer, I'm talking about this movement between the are, seasons. And you all are. That. You're so doing it already. I'm demonstrating the very yeah. thing that we're yeah. Because in your about. mind, it's like the teamer's mind. It's what's what's good for the what's good for the whole. As yes. a, you know, it's like you know we can all be involved. We can all contribute. We can all do something here. You know, it's frustrating to teamers that there's only one like group that's getting or one individual that's getting their way. No, others can play. Everybody can contribute, and it benefits the whole system. Yes. And so that instinct would have been around again, probably was around during the hunter gatherer time mm-hmm. frame, and then even during the you know the farmers as that began to take over more so. They would have always been around. And they were probably the ones who were trying to bring about like, hey, let's do this together and let's get this person involved in this process yeah. and let's get that person over here. And you know what? They would be really good at best toolmaker right here. We should have them, this individual traveling with us because he's really good at yet terrible at aim and firing and, and you know, bringing down. William. <laughs> get, got that. We all agree with that. Like terrible at throwing Cannot spears. Cannot throw a spear. But it's great at making them and great at fixing them and great at, oh. you know. So as a teamer, I can see that. And so let's get these people involved for the greater good of the whole. Yeah. And so those are the ones that tend to be able to bridge that and uh, oftentimes will play in both. uh, Mm -hmm. And they will have aspects of both or they'll have one more than the other. They might be more, because again, we think of these aspects in terms of stack. So the teamer might have more of a hunting piece to them more Mm -hmm. so than even the farmer or they might have more of the farming than the hunting but the social is the bridge between those two yeah and what do you get when they're all functioning you get the feast so you've got the delicious meat and the crops you've you've got your multi-course meal you've got your 
whatever kinds of stuff that they make as far as their drinks and their food and their vegetables and their crops and their breads and their meats. Like all of it's present and their fish. Yeah. Like it's all there. Yeah. And you have a feast when you actually bring all of these things together that is far more diverse and nutritious and sustainable than you would with any one. Yeah. You know, something I've noticed is that often the hunters and the farmers are actually drawn to working together, that there is something in each other they know they also need. And that's a good thing because as this theme that we're pushing in in this little series is all about integration, I mean, most of what we do is. It's about integrating the voice that is different than yours, integrating a new skill set that you may not have had, and learning to work together for all of us, which is good things. So the usual things to hit are make sure you are subscribed, Art of Growth on Instagram, sign up for our newsletter at theartofgrowth.org. And that's about it. Thanks for joining us for this extra episode. And I'll just end by saying, may you value these skill sets within the other and allow them to be themselves and give yourself permission to not be less than, even if you are different than. Embrace each other's gifts, honor them, and enjoy yours. Grace and growth, my friends.